Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's message titled, Dive In Naaman, written by Pastor Walter Arias. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 and 9 through 14, we see that Naaman went through three states, which are the arrogant state, the reasoning state, and the perseverance state. Let's listen to the message, and may God bless you. Let us pray. Let's give thanks to God, but before that, I'm going to invite you that you please lift up your Bibles. I want you to lift up your Bibles, put it up high, and you're going to understand today by the preaching why I ask you to bring the Bible. Lift it high so I could see in the cameras. Please focus to the congregation and take five pictures. One, two, three. <laughs> Very good. Now your notebooks. Lift it up. Lift up your notebooks. Excellent. Really high cameras. That way the photo could be taken. Boom. All right. Say to the person to your side, how good is that you smile today? Say to the person, you don't have the fault of the face that you have, but yes, of the one that you put on. Say it to them. Father, we give you thanks in this moment, Lord, for the opportunity of seeking your face, of finding ourselves with you as a church, of being able to worship you and also receive your word in which I ask that be a blessing to all the listeners. So much those that are present, so those that find themselves in their places, in their homes, watching through the internet, and are watching us, Lord. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. I ask for the boldness that I can preach as it suits, and I ask that the enemy does not take any of this, but that the word fulfills the purpose for which it is sent for our lives. In the name of Jesus and the whole church of the Lord says, amen and amen. You and your house, you're going to go to the second book of Kings, and we're going to see a biblical text there in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 5, and you're going to read more in your home, the whole chapter 5 in your house, so you can understand the complete context, and if you want to read the whole book, that's even better, but today is the story of a warrior of the army of the king of Syria, Naaman, a man that was well known who is spoken of, and here in the pre-retreat, we speak of him. And I want you to familiarize yourself with this story more. I'm going to highlight a portion of the text, but we're going to read chapter 5, verses 1 to 3, and then verses 9 to 14. The rest you could read at home, please. And allow me then to read, now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and an honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory, listen well, had given victory to Syria. He was also a, how? A mighty man of valor. But, but what? He was a leper. Say leper. He was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out of on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master 
were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Now something happens and you can see it at home. But now Naaman makes a decision to go and verse 9 says, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of Elisha's house of what the servant was speaking of. Them. And verse 10, And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. How many times? Seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Hmm. Are not the Abana and the far part of the rivers of Damascus? better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. How did he leave? In a rage. Verse 13. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean. So he went, so he went down and dipped. What did he do? Say it now, so you could understand, in case you don't know. Say he dipped, he dipped how many times? Seven times in the Jordan, according, say according, to the saying of the man of God. And and read 14 with me completely. And with a good voice. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Amen. And in way of introduction, allow me to say to you that this story is a rich story in content. And it's application. And has some teachings of salvation that is very special. I think the principal teaching is there in that Naaman who typifies the Gentiles because in the conduct or in the Hebrew culture, God was for them, but not for the Gentiles. So the Hebrews thought in that way, but Naaman was not a Hebrew. Naaman was a Syrian. He was a Gentile and their God extends mercy through the prophet of the Elisha to someone who was not from the Hebrew people. Very interesting. Because salvation of God is for whoever wants it. There's no Jew or Gentile, the word of God says. But it's for everyone. So from the Old Testament, it's showing God doing things that are people that are Gentiles. But also, Naaman there represents an instrument on behalf of God. Even though he was not a Hebrew, he was a person that led the army of Syria, and it was the one that God had used to Naaman to give salvation to this place. So then once again, we see God using some people that are not necessarily from his people, like in that time, which was the Hebrews. Something very important to understand there is that it was, he was a commander, 
Naaman was not just any person. He had a great charge. He was a commander of the army of the king of Syria. He was rich. He was rich because as a commander, he was always with his commission from the spoils of the wars. And he was also powerful. His richness allowed him to have authority. And so he was rich and powerful. But he had a great but. See, but. That he had a problem, which was leprosy. And leprosy was a sickness, and it continues being a sickness that is very dangerous. In that time, it was even mortal. The people that suffered leprosy, they were always just waiting death. Because leprosy as such is a is a sickness that makes your skin, your mucous membranes, it turns white and it starts to smell. And the person in time, they become scabby and their members start falling off like pieces from their fingers or their ears. So then it was such a sickness that was very dangerous and very contagious and really despising the people who had leprosy. They were quarantined or set apart in different places. But this man was a man who was famous. He was a commander of the army of Syria. He was powerful and rich, and but he had that butt and that butt was leprosy. How much would he not want to have the riches, but have health instead? And there this man finds himself in that condition and his servant who was a young slave, speaks of the prophet or says to his wife and says, say to Naaman that if he goes to Elisha, the prophet, Elisha would heal him. So he went, he got, he asked permission from his king and he went. And we see, this is very interesting, but the leprosy as such in the Bible, it's speaking of a physical sickness, but leprosy also typifies something that's called sin. Yes, leprosy typifies sin because sin is something that consumes sin is something that it degenerates our life it takes away our emotions our thoughts sin attacks us and starts to eat from within and to analyze when we're in sin our emotions start to fail the opportunities are gone and our life is deteriorated. Everything is in chaos. Why? Because sin, because the spiritual leprosy that's within us, all of us that are here have suffered from leprosy. All of us that are here have that condition. It's called spiritual leprosy. It's a sickness that is spiritual. And if leprosy is something physical and also typify something spiritual. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what Romans 3.23 says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But today I want to speak to you. Now that I gave you this introduction, I want to speak to you on behalf of God, because it's what God put in my heart, to speak of three states. Say three states. Three states in which Naaman found himself before receiving healing. And that his sin would be like that of a child. 
three states. And when I say the word state, it's like like your cell phone when you put it in a silent state. Yes or no? When you sometimes we're in a state of something. So this man found himself in three states before receiving his healing. And the first state that he went through was the state of arrogance. And the preaching today has a touch as a title. Dive in, Naaman. Dive in, Naaman. What is the title today? Dive in, Naaman. Say it once again. Dive in, Naaman. But say it just to be able to say it. Dive in, Naaman. That's what it is. Dive in, Naaman. Very good. The first point is the arrogant state in which Naaman found himself. Please pay attention. And if you could say to someone to your side, say, please, don't distract me or to take my attention away from the sermon. Say it to them in this moment. Don't take away my attention from the sermon. Very good. Ready? So arrogant state. Arrogance is equal to being to pride or despising others. Listen well. The meaning of arrogance is pride, despising others. Naaman, in verse 11 and 12 of that chapter, I recited, but Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me, or the prophet, and stand and call on the name of the Lord of his God, and wave his hand over the place, and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He was in an arrogant state. That arrogance, not only did he have leprosy physically, but he had a sin of arrogance that was great. His money, his position, his haughtiness was at the top. He had the way how to be healed himself, the way of the prophet, as the prophet sent through his messenger, because the prophet didn't even attend to him personally. He came so that the prophet will come out. Look at the arrogance. Because I am the commander of the king's army of Syria, well, then I come with all my chariots and my money and with everything. He brought everything to give to the prophet, to buy from the prophet something. And the prophet did not attend him personally. He sends a messenger and tell him, go in and dive in into the Jordan seven times. And he was there with his arrogance. He wanted it his way in that arrogant state is a state that is dangerous in which we find ourselves many times or we could find ourselves in. It's when we want things our way, when we don't like the things that others do, even though they're well done, but we don't like it. When when we're seeking an opportunity of something, but we want it my way and in my way. Here it's like how I say it, like they say, my way or the highway, correct? That arrogant state that is haughty. He wanted it to be his way. If I if I thought that the prophet was going to come out and that he was going to stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand and touch, the man came to seek healing, but he wanted it his way. How he wanted it. His way. In his whim. Are you that type of person? That has to be your way. 
the way you want, by your whim. You don't like the church because they don't do this, because if I was there, I would do it this way. Let me say, you, maybe you're an arrogant person. Maybe you're an arrogant person. Because if doing it this way, and if you haven't tried, why? Why do you get bothered to criticize what another person's already doing? If my boss would do this and that and this way, my brothers and sisters, well then learn to do it the way that they're telling you how to do it. Then later you, with time, can do it the way you want or you find a better way. But don't criticize from the beginning what the boss is telling you to do. Then why are you looking for employment there? Do you know how much I've seen this in my years of life? That are few, thanks to God. <laughs> And they come with some instructions. If it was my way. And the governor, the government tells us some laws, but if it was my way. But everything we're contradicting, contradicting, and we find ourselves like Naaman in an arrogant state. In a state of haughtiness. I don't like how they do it. I don't like how it looks. I don't like how this was. I don't like what they said. Everything. Everything is wrong for you. There's nothing that satisfies you or that you like. A person that's arrogant is characterized because the ways of others is no good. They despise everything what other people do. They don't give credit to anyone, to no one. Something happened to me so nice yesterday when I told you that I was a little uh, sick and a sister found out and she sent me a message and she said, Pastor, I'm so happy and so joyful and I tell you I hope that you're fine this and that but this we're in a restaurant and with a family in St. Cloud and we went there and in the restaurant I saw a family there and we started to speak and I felt like to share and I said what I lose with sharing with them that they come to the church so I dared to say do you go to a church I was gonna and this person was sending me this through the text. And they said, yes, we congregate. And they said, oh, it's because I was going to invite you to my church. And they said, no, we already congregate. And they said, where do you congregate? And the family said, oh, in God of Covenants. <laughs> and she said, oh, how good. We as well. So everybody was so happy. But the person called me and said, and, and said, Pastor, I call you first to see about how you're feeling, but to say I congratulate you because you're doing a great work. And I'm very happy with the church that we have, with God of Covenants. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Give it to him greatly. If you're going to clap, are you not happy being here? If you're going to clap, clap those hands. Blessed be the Lord. Allow me. Verses. You know how many brothers and sisters? I deal with this, and I dealt with these for a long time. And I will continue dealing with them for the text that we're going to be studying. Pastor, this person left the church. And I said, but you didn't see the five families that are, came new? Pastor, but this person hasn't returned. And I said, I know why they haven't returned. Oh, it has to be something bad here in the church. And I go, no, don't speak because I know what why they left. I know why they left. And better that they left. But I can't tell you because my job is not to tell you why some leave. But my job is to tell you, yes, look at all those that are arriving. Because I don't have to be spreading why some leave. But yes, I have to give glory to God for all those that are arriving to the church. Amen. There's an attitude that is different. Say to the person to your side, attitude. 
you have to have a different attitude before things that it not be within us an arrogance then an arrogance within us there's people that are never going to give you credit for as good as you do it they're not going to give you the credit they're before Naaman and pray for that heart we are all arrogant before God with respect of salvation, we are all arrogant before God. We look our own ways, our own ways to solve our problems. Listen well. We look for the word of God, but we want capricious answers. Pastor, I have such and such problem. So, okay, let me counsel you. Yes. And pastor, this, this, this. No, pastor, how's that? No, 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 pastor, no. You know what? Then they look for another pastor of the church, another leader. So then they go to the other leader and they say, and the leader's alignment with me. And he says, such and such thing. And he says, no, not can't be. No, that's no good. And they find another leader. Look, I've had them in this congregation. They look for the word of God, but they look for capricious answers from their heart. They look for the word, but they don't like what the word is saying to them what the word is ordering to them. They have a capricious soul. So they go from leader to leader to see if a need is supplied. And to all the lead, we tell them that we walk in the same doctrine, in the same line, and with the same care. And even more, when they come to me, I treat them because I'm a person that's very affectionate. I love to embrace and kiss, but I also go like this. I'm very serious. You guys know me. So I tell them to the other, attend them and squeeze them <laughs> with, with uh, affection. For the healing of our spiritual leprosy, there's only one solution. Your religion and my religion, listen well, the religion that we have, the religion that we take on the path is always going to be that, a religion. But the religion is not salvation. Re the personal relationship with God is salvation. When we have a personal relationship, it's the way of salvation of God. And only it is through God's way and the way that God says is Jesus Christ, Son of God, the giver of life. The only way that is established for a human being to be saved according to the Bible, not according philosophy or or religions or anything, according to the word of God, there's only one God and one mediator between God and the man, and his name is Jesus Christ. And the word says it, no one can erase that, no one can take it away. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, his name is Jesus. There is no other, no one else where you could find salvation, in, and it's only through Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Mark 16, 16 says, look at the way God's established. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Read it with me, please. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And, and I hope you're with me in this preaching. Don't be lost on your cell phones or tablets I want you to be with me in this sermon. Do not allow Satan to take away this precious word that is yours, okay? I want you to not leave this word. Don't let Satan to take this away from you. The word of God says in Mark 16, 16, this is words for salvation. Your life is very important. You are so important for God that you're here today. Please take advantage of this time.
You're very important. Take the opportunity. If you have to go to the bathroom, no, stay where you're sitting. <laughs> okay? Stay there. Mark 16, 16. Read it in a loud voice and with firmness. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. This speaks of two parts, this verse. To believe is an act of faith. To believe is a conscious act. And to believe in who you haven't seen, who is known, named Christ, even though you haven't seen him, you make the decision to accept him, that he died on the cross for you, and you receive him as your Lord and Savior in a personal prayer or in a collective prayer. You accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But to be baptized, that implies obedience. The word baptism has to do with a lot, but the word baptism speaks of lordship. It speaks of lordship. Listen well. Because we believe in Jesus as our Savior, who saves us from the wrath of God, but we accept him also because he's also our Lord, and Lord is the one that's in charge, who believes, I believe, and who is baptized. Baptism represents a lifestyle of obedience that is manifested with the first step of going into the baptismal waters. That's the first step. The baptismal waters, because you had to then knock off the arrogance of what you had, of the beliefs that you had, or those beliefs without biblical foundations, or the traditions that were anti-biblical, and there you have to take a step before a person that were your conscious and a bunch of witnesses to go into the baptismal waters, believing that Jesus died for you and for your sins, that he cleanses you of all evilness, going into the waters, you're making a step of lordship. You're saying, it's the first thing that Jesus says. Be baptized, is the first thing he says. Go to the waters. And we put butts because we're like Naaman. And we start with that. Oh, no. Oh, they baptized me when I was one year. How wonderful. Did you confess Jesus at one year old? Did you believe in Jesus? You didn't have consciousness there. And you didn't have sin. Because you were innocent. Jesus says that the children, that kingdom of heaven belongs to the children. Are you with me? Say to the person to your side, Say, this is a serious business. This is serious business. But, of course, so we don't baptize yet because, oh, I want the my, the picture to be taken by my grandmother. <laughs> That's a whim, Naaman. Be baptized. No, 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 but another day so that my family comes that are coming from, from, from Tijuana. <laughs> no, Naaman, go. Go in this moment. Dive in, dive in. No, another day. I'm not prepared. You're prepared for what? To believe. You believed already. So you're not prepared to obey then? So then who did you believe in? And what did you believe in? Because if I believe in what Jesus did for me, then I have to give the credibility to everything he did because he died for me. Then he's going to take me to places of righteousness. And he starts through there. And he says, Start to forgive. No, 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 no. This one I'll forgive, but not this one. No, no. Amen. D dive in. Dive in into the waters of forgiveness. No, 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 no. No, no, Jesus. No, not like that. I already baptized. No, no. In this area. Amen. Dive in. And he starts to make us dive. Say to the person to your side, dive in. And he starts to touch the area. Surrender this. 
No, 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 not this. So then dive in. Dive in. And you know what we do? No, 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 not this way. No, God, no. So then what do we turn into? Into this state of arrogance. We're in an arrogant state still before what the Lord and King dictates is. Are you with me? Is there someone receiving something? Amen. Let us advance. Let us go into the second state that this man found himself before his he was healed and his skin be like a baby. He entered into a reasoning state. The first was the arrogant state. The second one is what? It's a reasoning state. And what is a reasoning state? Is to be going in within yourself. Consciously, he became conscious of what he was feeling or what he of his wrong decisions. And now he goes, oh, man, I messed up. That is this reasoning state where we say, oh, wow, I did it wrong. You look inward. In 2 Kings, again, in chapter 5, verse 13, the following. And his servants came near him and spoke to him and said, look at the nobility of his servants. He had the capability of killing them if he wanted and I feel, I feel see that they, maybe they were scared that they said, my father, with an arrogance before the arrogant Naaman and an army there. And he says, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? So if he told you to go on your knees to there in the cathedral of Ching Ching Ching, <laughs> and you had to go and hit yourself 75 lashings, wouldn't you have done it? If he told you to give him everything, all your money, because this man brought money, he brought a lot of money that Elisha didn't accept it. And if he told you to give him all the money, wouldn't you have given it to him? He brought a whole bunch of money and he didn't accept it. He says, dive in, say to the person to your side, dive in. Father, I'm not asking for a difficult thing. It's something simple. Because the simple you can do it. Simple is simple. And the man was like, he reacted. What a blessing. He went into the reasoning state. What happened to the prodigal son? You remember the story of the prodigal son? He asked for that inheritance. And then he went and he lived a crazy life. And when he lived that crazy life and he wasted everything that he had on drugs, on parties, on with friends, and just wasting because he was being wasteful when everything was done. He was in a place that he needed to be eating with a desire to eat from what they give the pigs, a Hebrew raising pigs. That was something reproachable for the Hebrews. And there the man says, oh my God, me with this hunger. And in my father's house, there's so many servants, so much food. Oh no, you know what? And I, what am I doing here? What have I done? Oh no. I know what to do. Lord, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against my father. I will return to the house of my father. And I will ask for forgiveness. And the man left from there and he went. Then give the glory to the one that lives. If you're going to clap those hands, clap them mightily for the Lord. The prodigal son entered into the reasoning state. And only after that reasoning state, when he went and his father embraced him, is they went and took him to bathe him, to give him new clothes, 
sandals that are new and the ring of authority. And they said, kill the best animal because there's a party because this one was lost. But now he's home. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Are you in that reasoning state or are you still not in that? And then give the glory to he who lives. It's important to enter into that reasoning state. You know how many times I get confused as a pastor or mistaken with my co-servants, with my wife? I'm going to speak a little bit about my family in a bit, but with my co-servants, with the pastors, with the pastor, with the minister, with the ministers that are here, with my pastoral support group. You know how many times I get mistaken? Wow. And in my state of arrogance like Naaman because we all go through that but you know what I do I give thanks to God for the spirit that rests in me because the spirit of God that rests in me makes a battle within boom 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 and tells me two or three things and it enters me into the reasoning state from the arrogant state to the reasoning state you know what I say forgive me pastors have I asked you for forgiveness one two three four five times Woo! Pastor, have I asked you? Son, have I asked you for forgiveness? <laughs> Geraldo, my brothers over here, have I asked you for forgiveness? Margarita, have I asked you for forgiveness? It's embarrassing, yes, but I don't know what the feeling is, but because when the arrogant state wants to go on top and you're a leader, you're the pastor. And you're the one that's in charge. And you go, no, who is in charge is Jesus Christ. Come down and say, look, forgive me. Forgive me. To the leaders from the Bible study groups, all the people, forgive me. I give thanks to God for that. It's better to walk in the reasoning state than in the arrogant state. If you're the ones that have not learned to ask for forgiveness, then do it soon. Come out of the arrogant state and go into the reasoning state. And you're going to notice how you're going to be cleansed and cleaning your heart and your life as the skin of a baby. Say to the person to your side, that is for you. Do it. Do it. This is for you. Say to the person to your side. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6, verses 5 and 6 says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Can you read it with me, please? Come on. Will you read it with me? Let's do it. Everyone. One, two, three. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Open rebuke is better. Open rebuke is better that they tell you something at time than they have a hidden love somewhere. An open rebuke is better that they're not telling you, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, and they don't help to correct you. If I have something, you know how I correct you? Do you know why I correct the church? Because I love you. I love you in the Lord, and I will always do it. I will always do it, because the day I no longer correct you, once you're doing something wrong, then you have the whole right to leave this church because you lost your pastor. You have lost after a while, because I no longer love you. But if I see you doing something wrong, that I see you that you're not doing correct, that you could advance better, that you could do it better, 
then I'm always going to tell you and doing it because that's my purpose, my job, my responsibility, because that's my way of loving you. What do I gain to tell the church how beautiful you look and and the church is in sin and you guys are all turned into nothing? Imagine that. No. A church that is loved is a church that is told, a church that is confronted. It's a church that they're saying, no, come on, you can't lose that house. How are you going to lose your home? No. How are you going to be with that woman that she's not your wife? This one is your wife. So I think that's the pastor that you need. My brothers and sisters, how do you think of smoking that? To, if they wanted you to smoke, they would have put a chimney on top of your head. <laughs> or it was God mistaken. It's not. Don't you see like a foolish person and you started to rob so that you could smoke that? That wild cilantro? <laughs> that one for the thirst or one for the road? <laughs> a beer for the road. Don't you think those are the people who are de depressed, that have nothing to con uh, conquer, but the children of God that are seated in heavenly places, then wine nor alcoholic beverages like the Word of God says, that's not for us. So that if you want to be low in your state, then okay. But you're those that are called to govern in Christ, you have to behave as a man or a woman called by God to give a good example so that you can have a good and give a good advice because you fill yourself of smoke or you fill yourself of substances or alcoholic beverages. You start to speak foolish things and you start to give bad advice. Hallelujah. Let Pentecostalism live. Amen. Give the glory to God. Amen. I would say on behalf of my wife and family, yes. That, you know, how many times I had to ask for forgiveness to my wife? I have her humble and gentle because of all the forgiveness I've asked. And my son, you know how many times I have to ask forgiveness for my son? Is it true, son? Yes or no? Lift your hands, son. That's my son there. You know how many times I've asked for forgiveness? I ask him to forgive me so many times. Sometimes I'm hard on him without any reason. And I just go and I hug him and I say, I'm sorry. And I start crying and I start to cry. And I'm not ashamed to cry in front of my son. And I say, no, I messed up. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And he, that son hugs me and he says, don't worry, dad. To my nephews or nieces, I ask for forgiveness. To my mother, to my brother. I ask for forgiveness. I ask, I ask for forgiveness of you, the people. Are you not in that reasoning state? Or you're not capable of saying, forgive me? Or you're not capable of saying, I was mistaken? Or maybe you're so adult. And it could be a person maybe you haven't spoken to in a long time. But go and call that person and say, forgive me. I entered into my reasoning state. Are you with me, church? And the last point, this man entered into a perseverant state. The word of God 
that Naaman went to the waters. When he reacted, then he went to the Jordan River and he dipped himself. How many times? How many times? That I imagine the people going, one! And the servants, even the prophet, going to the window counting, one! And come on, how about it? Let us do this, right? Let's, one, two, three, count. One! Come on, no, what is that? Come on, let's do it better. That's not even emotional. Two, three, four, five, six. Whew. Oh. Whew. Whew. No, no, nothing is happening. Well, you know what? Nothing happened. Nah. That's a lie. What the prophet said is a false prophet. Eh. Eh. In my land, there's better waters. Eh. You know how many let go of something that they're trying to conquer when they're almost conquering it? Stephen, thank you for being here. This young person, I saw him grow in this church. And I, I'm happy that you became a professional. You fill my heart with pride. You look very good. I don't know why you look so much as your pastor. <laughs> when you graduated, when you left, when you went advanced in spite of all the difficulties, you filled my heart. And you have my respect and admiration for always. And I know that assuredly from your parents and your family as well. You could have damaged yourself. You could have fell into drugs. You could have damaged everything. And I don't know what you went through. But you went from an arrogant state. You went into a reasoning state. And you were in the perseverance state. And you're seated right there. You're an example. Even though you're not here all the time. You're an example. Persevere for your dream. Dip yourself once again. What you have loved so much, the passion that you've had. Don't allow any more distractions. Just do it so that you're full. This wasn't Stephen, this was another one. How many? aborted projects because they did not persevere a dip it was there the blessing was almost there almost ready it was ready that the blessing was coming but ah no I don't see any change on my skin yet I don't see that anything is happening yet but it was almost ready to happen I sow seeds and I've said to you I sow good seeds and I look there and I give it water to the seed and I give it water and I look and still nothing. And I give it water and I look and I put it in and I look and I give it water and give it water. I put it in darkness and I continue. And then with time, a little green stem coming. Life. Perseverance of that seed and my perseverance of giving it water. 
How many of you are those that start things but don't finish them? Perseverance. Persevere and you shall triumph. Allow me to say, allow me to say some words. From Thomas Edison, vision without execution is just hallucination. Vision without execution is just hallucination. And it was Tom Edison himself that made a light bulb, electric light bulb to start after 999 tries. If he didn't persevere one more time, he doesn't achieve it. And we don't have what we have, or at least the credit he wouldn't have, wouldn't have been given to him. But who hasn't heard of the company Con Edison in New York? A company of electricity that charges you, right, for the electricity. That's from Thomas Edison. The man that 999 times knows how an electric bulb doesn't function. But on the thousand times, he learned how it works. Say perseverance. Say perseverance. Are you the ones that are aborting things in the beginning? Do you notice that society, our society, has become a society that's disposable? Allow me. I come from a society of my parents. I come from a society I know from the society that is the previous the gen previous generation of my mother and father and their generation. And they were a family that persevered together all times. And with less foundations and they persevered together their whole life. Are you with me? All life. And I don't know when it came a generation that that is disposable. Everything is disposable now. Marriages that are disposable. Marriages, they make plans. They fall in love of the charisma. They don't know the character. They get married with the charisma. And then when the character comes out, then, no, we divorce because we don't understand each other. To get married with another charisma, to get divorced again, why don't you get in with the character of the person? Why don't you learn to love in the character? Because I love my wife with the character. Small, but very strong she is. It's very serious. In the charisma, she is a doll. To have and dip her like this. In charisma, her smile in the charisma, the dealing, but when she's serious, when she doesn't like something, then <laughs> that beauty appears that God put to be able to polish my heart. Hey, those that are going to get married, it's forever. Those that this already happened, then la sadly, a situation happened, and maybe it's irreversible. I don't know. I don't want to enter into a feeling of guilt. That's not my job. But consider if you were able to persevere a little bit more. And perhaps it wasn't to your reach. Maybe it was the other person that didn't want to persevere. And before you, then have peace in that. Rest with that if the other person didn't want to persevere but on your part as a child of God then do everything that you can say to the say persevere and you shall triumph say it loud persevere and you shall triumph many have given themselves for many abort their projects only in their initial thoughts it's not even a project and then they don't even think about it anymore and others abort the projects in the beginning, in the middle. Others, when they're almost achieving it. Perseverance is a great faculty. I wasn't persevering. Or if I was, 
I was persevering for one thing. I was persevering for sin. Oh, I was a very good sinner. But when you consider, or when I knew Jesus, I noticed that I had to make better use of being perseverant. Because perseverance in the Lord is imperative for salvation. Some stay in a prayer of faith. Some stay in that prayer of faith where they say, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But their lifestyle doesn't involve a perseverance. Are you with me? Because the equation is in the change. That passion is in the perseverance. The value is to con conquer what Jesus wants you to conquer within you and with the others. You have to persevere in faith. You have to persevere in faith. Look, when I'm here 14 years in this church, it's 14 years I tell you to lift up your Bibles. Please lift up your Bibles. Put your Bible up nice and high. The paper Bible, as I always say. And listen well. Do you, why do you think I always tell you to lift up your Bibles? Why will I continue saying to lift up your Bibles? Why for 14 years and five more years in New York? So for... All those years, we keep telling you to lift up your Bibles. Lift them up. Are they heavy? That the Bible's heavy? Yes, that's true. But you know why? For all these years, we have been giving Bibles and giving Bibles as gifts and giving Bibles as gifts. Because here, in this, you have the Word that's going to help you to transform your being. And this pastor is a perseverant in this thought. That if I achieve that one more uses a paper Bible, one more person, because when the battery runs out on a cell phone or a tablet, you then want to die, right? And when there's no signal for the internet, but this one, this paper Bible, when if I achieve for one more person to use this, if I achieve that they bring it, if I achieve that one more brings it and they fall in love with it, then I fulfill a great purpose for my life and your life. If only one achieves to be persuaded by my insistence and my perseverance, then I leave this land fine. I leave, uh, I leave something in your heart for your life. And now lift up your, uh, your notebooks. Lift up your notebooks. If I achieve that, everyone copies so that when Satan comes to try to take the word away from you and you make a trap for him and you go, Satan, you're a liar. Look, I have the word here. I have it here written. What I learned, what God dictated to me of all that they said, three things for me from a thousand three, but I notated them. You know what's going to happen? Satan is going to persevere to erase that. He's arrogant. And he's a perseverant so that in you, the word of God does not rest. So I ask you, and forgive me about what I'm going to say. But if I'm in the persevering state for you to bring a Bible, and if you don't have it, I give it to you. And if you threw it out, the one that we gave you, then I'll sell you one. 
if you have a problem reading, I could understand that. But if you have a problem with laziness, if you have a problem of a lack of customs, I ask you, then think if maybe you're in the state of arrogance that you want it your way and not conform what the prophet of God or the pastor of God or the instrument of God is dictating on behalf of God for your life that congregates here. Are you with me of what I'm saying to you? Because I'm never going to ask you that you do something that I'm not capable of doing myself or that I have not done. As pastor, I'm always going to give you the example to do something because I'm capable of doing it. Why? Because a disciple does what his teacher knows how to do. So then consider it for your life. If not bringing a Bible to the place where we study the Word of God, is it perhaps maybe that we're acting in our way? I'm going to go, but my way. I'll do it, but my way. I, I will, But how I want. And here, what we would project and what we tell you to bring. Forgive me for saying it. Do you know why I say it to you? Because I love you. Because I love you. Perhaps persuade one. One more. Perhaps a young person understands it and embrace my words. And they feel like I felt 27 years ago and I still feel when I walk with my Bible everywhere. Because when I walk with it everywhere, I'm saying a biblical text intrinsically because I am not ashamed of the gospel of God because it's the power of God for salvation for all who believe. Because I'm not ashamed of my Bible because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Because my son in this day was doing some homework from his ministerial school, but in his school. And some people came to see what he was doing, almost maybe to intimidate him. But I congratulate him for doing that ministerial homework at his school. And I say, never be ashamed of the gospel. Never be ashamed of the gospel. Hey, are we not the light of the world then? Please close your eyes for a moment. And listen to what I'm going to read. And to be multiplied, it says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Endure and persevere in salvation. Persevere in loving God. Persevere surrendering your great name and part to God. And dip him in the waters more, more, more. Dive in, in the spirit more. Get more with God. Get in more with God. Independently of what comes, get in more with the Lord. And even others find money from the night to the day. You get in more with the Lord. And if you could work with the Lord, then do it. Because that's what it's about. Live your secular life. But with the Lord, do it. But persevere in the Lord. Hebrews 6, 11 to 12 says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In this afternoon, 
I want to make an invitation. Is there someone here that has not given their life to Jesus and they want to surrender it today? If you want to give your life today to Jesus and you haven't done it before, but you've come here continually, but you haven't done it before, I invite you to please stand if you have never given your life to Jesus and you run here to the altar. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to stand and come here to the altar. And you say with that, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner and today I give you my life. Is there someone here that wants to give their life to Jesus Christ? Then come here, woman. Come here to the altar. We give the glory of God for her. Pastor Maribel, please come. Blessed be the Lord. Come come by here to the altar. Come by here to the altar. And rejoice, church. Rejoice, church. Is there anybody else rejoicing? Come here. Is the church rejoiced? Come here. Ministers, ministers. I'm calling for the ministers to come by the altar. May God bless you. Ministers, please. And today, I would be so rejoiceful. The Word of God says that there's joy before the angels for a sinner that repents and give the glory to God for her. Come and run for your salvation. Church, what about if you stand and we worship with our hands high, lifted high, we worship with a prayer. And we ask them to repeat with us, say it there with the whole church, let us say it loudly, Lord Jesus, in this afternoon, I recognize that I am a sinner. Today, I ask for your forgiveness for my sins. I open my heart and I ask that you enter in it, that you heal me of my spiritual leprosy. Cleanse me. Cleanse me all my being. And I ask you that you write my name in the book of life and of the Lamb. Thank you for the salvation that you give. In the name of Jesus, give the glory to God for them. In the name of Jesus, we bless them in the name of Jesus. We bless them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Healing and salvation in the name of Jesus. I'm going to invite the leaders from the Bible study groups to come here, please. All the ministers looking towards the congregation. This altar is open. If you identify in your life a state of arrogance in whichever area of your life, if you feel that God through this word has spoken to you in something, if you feel that you haven't dived in the times that you were supposed to in the Lord, if you feel that you've aborted projects and you no longer want to abort any projects, then find a space here before one of the ministers so we could pray for you. The altar is open and we could pray for you. If you're one of the ones that say, I want to be persevering in the faith, I want to persevere in what I do. I don't want to continue letting go of things. I invite you to please come to the altar. This is the moment to do so. The altar is now open. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Let us worship once again. Hallelujah.
Father, we give you thanks, Lord, for this church, this beautiful church. Thank you for all these brothers that are here and sisters that are here in front. Father, I ask you that even for all of us that are here present, the ministers of worship, the ushers, the teachers of children, those that are in media and sound, all the congregants, Lord, that you take away from us from that arrogant state, that you call us to the reasoning state where by your Holy Spirit we are ministered and convicted of sin, of righteousness and judgment to pass to the perseverance state, to believe in your ways, that your way is Christ Jesus for salvation, and also to persevere in such a great salvation that you have given us. I ask you, God, that we that are here, that we don't abort our projects of life, that we who are here, we could achieve to conquer the things that you have ready for us, Lord. I bless this church, Lord. I bless it with the blessing that is yours, O God the Father, O God the Son, and O God the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ and the church of the Lord says, Amen. Receive that word, church. Give it to him greatly. Give it to him greatly. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos, Florida. We hope this message has edified you. And please share with others. Have a wonderful day.